Krishna, welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class. It is um, December 22nd, three days before Christmas, 2019. I'm still at the home of Sarvatma and Divyananda, who actually came back and uh, somehow, for some strange reason, actually want their house back. So, <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So today we begin with Canto 1, Chapter 4, Text 9, which is Abhimanyu Sutang Suta Prahur Bhagavatam Tasya Janma Mahascharya Karmanicha Granihina. So Prabhupada translates that it is said that Maharaj Parikshit is a great first class devotee of the Lord and that his birth and activities are all wonderful. Please tell us about him. And Prabhupada has a short purport. The birth of Maharaj Parishi is wonderful because in the womb of his mother, he was protected by the personality of Godhead Sri Krishna. His activities are also wonderful because he chastised Kali, who was attempting to kill a cow. To kill cows means to end human civilization. He wanted to protect the cow from being killed by the great representative of sin. His death is also wonderful because he got previous notice of his death which is wonderful for any mortal being, and thus he prepared himself for passing away by sitting down on the bank of the Ganges and hearing the transcendental activities of the Lord. During all the days he heard Bhagavatam, he did not take food or drink, nor did he sleep a moment. So everything about him is wonderful, and his activities are worth hearing attentively. The desire is expressed herein to hear about him in detail. So, um, Abhimanyu Sutang Suta Prahur. So again, Prahur, they say, which means people that know, they say that uh, Abhimanyu Sutang, that Abhimanyu son, Parikshit, is Bhagavatotamam, is, a, is a, an Uttama Bhagavata, or a first class devotee, a great devotee of the Lord. Tasya Janma, his birth is Maha Ascharyam, is a great wonder. Prabhupada uses the word wonderful several times in the purport, and it comes from the, here the Sanskrit. Ascharyam means a wonder or wonderful. Actually, it means a wonder. In the Gita, Krishna says, Ascharyavat Kastyachit Bhadatyena, that some people say the soul is amazing. Some people hear about the soul is amazing, that same word, Ascharya or Ascharyavat, which means wonderful, and Ascharya means a wonder. So his birth is a great wonder. And of course he was, uh, Brikshit was in the womb of his mother, Uttara, and uh, Ashwatthama threw a Brahmastra to destroy the dynasty. He was the last possible descendant of the great uh, Pandava dynasty. And uh, because his father was already had already been killed, Abhimanyu had already been killed, and so he was in the womb of his mother, who was a widow. And the five sleeping sons of the Pandavas had been killed, so this was it. 
if the dynasty was going to continue, it could only be through Parikshit, who was in the womb. And so Ashwatthama, you know, sort of an evil character, wanted to kill that last descendant, kill an unborn child. And uh, Krishna saved him. Krishna saved him. So his birth is a great wonder. Tasya Janma Maha Ascharyam Karmanicha and his activities, Grinihinaha, tell us about them. So um, we'll continue reading here. The next verse is Sasamrat Kasyavahi To Pandunang Manavardana Prayopavishto Gangayam Anadrityadhirachyam. So that emperor, Samrat, like in Sankirtan, Sang means together or complete. And so a Raja, of course, the king, then Samrat means the king of everything, complete. So also emperor, as we call it, from the Latin imperatore, which was first applied to uh, Augustus Caesar. Anyway, so Samrat, so... Uh, that emperor was uh, Pandunang Manavardhana. Mana means prestige. Uh, prestige. And so, uh, uh, as we say, um, and so Mani means one who has self prestige, one who gives himself prestige is Mani. That's why Lord Chaitanya said, Amanina Manadena, one who gives respect or prestige to others and does not take it for themselves in Chantari Krishna. So Vardhana, like Govardhana, Govardhan, uh, Vardhana means growing or prospering. Vardhana. So Govardhana is the mountain that prospers the cows, that makes the cows prosper, Govardhana. And so here, Manavardhana, which means to increase, to cause to increase or to prosper. So the Pandus are so, the Pandavas are so famous, and yet Parikshit actually increased their prestige. I mean, that's not easy. The Pandavas were already the most famous Kshatriyas in the world, if not, you know, the galaxy or whatever. And Parikshit actually increased their fame, their prestige. Pandunang Manavardhana. So with all these assets, considering he had this amazing, exalted position, so, for what reason? For what reason? Prayopavishto Gangayam, he sat down on the Ganges fasting to death. That's called Prayopavista, uh, where one just sits down like a yogi and just fasts until death. So prayopavisto gangayam on the Ganges, anadritya, not considering or giving no importance to, anadritya, adhirachyam, the opulence of a great ruler. Just saying, why would he do that? Sasamrat kasyavahito, for what reason did he do that? So we'll go to the next verse. Namanti, again glorifying Parikshit, Namanti jat padani ketam atmanaha shivaya for their own well being. Haniya uh, dhanani shatrava. His enemies, Parikshit was so powerful, 
that for their own well-being, they would bring him riches and bow at his feet. So his enemies, I mean, there was no question of fighting them. That was not an option. So his enemies, in order to uh, get the shelter of his feet, Niketa means like shelter, to get shelter for themselves, they brought tribute, riches, and bowed at his feet. That's how powerful he was. Namanti Katang. So how? Katang Savira. Sriamanga Dustyajam. Yuva. Aishatot Srastu Maho Sahasubi. You can see this is very, very poetic language. And uh Shonika Rishi is actually one of the great poets of the Bhagavatam, and there's none better. He's, if you look at the verses, of course, this is uh, Shonaka inquiring of Sutta, and so Shonaka is just a uh, extraordinary poet, the, the Sanskrit he speaks, Shonaka Rishi. So, Parikshit had Shia, Shriyam, opulence, which was dus tijam, hard to give up. Uh, dur in Sanskrit or dus here phonetically is hard. In Spanish, you have duro in Spanish or Portuguese or Italian. So dus tijam, duro de renunciar. So dus tijam, he had opulence, which was hard to give up. So how did he... Or, or, or how did he come to desire utsashtum, just to cast it off, literally? How did he desire just to cast off this opulence, which is so hard to give up, and along with his own life? And, and in youth, he was still young. I mean, he wasn't, he was not a... Um, he was not an old man. He was not even middle aged. He, he was still young. He had opulence that no one would give up. And so, yet, he, why did he choose to cast it off along with his own life? Sahasubi. Saha means together with, and asu is a synonym of prana, which can mean life, breath, or just life itself. Just like in the Gita, Krishna says, gatasungsa, gatasungsa. That uh, that uh, one nanu that nanu shodhanti pandita the wise do not lament for the living or the dead. So the word Krishna uses for the living or the dead is gata gata asu one whose asu is gone, or is one whose life breath or one whose life is gone, and agatasu one whose life is not gone. That is actually the word. So here the same word asu. Uh, very poetic and of course it's Shonaka's magnificent uh, Sanskrit so then he says Shivaya Lokasya for the welfare of the world Bhavaya Bhutaye for the prospering and flourishing of the world Uttama Shloka Parayana Jana Jivanti uh, janaha, people who are uttama sloka parayana, who are fully dedicated to the Lord, uttama sloka, Krishna, people who are fully dedicated to the Lord, 
uh, Jivanti, they live, Jivanti, they live for the for the good of the world. They don't, they're not selfish. Not not Atma Artam, not for their own sake. They don't live for their own sake. They live for the welfare and the prosperity and, and, and the good of the world. So Therefore, how is it that Aso, that king Parikshit, Mumocha Nirvidya Kuta Kalevaram, how did he give up his body? It's interesting the word here, here for give up is Mumocha from the Sanskrit verb Mooch, and, and that's where you get the word Mukti or Moksha. So what we call liberation is literally release. Like you let go of illusion, you let go of. Maya, so that's what the word literally means, which is like liberation, becoming free of something. So, Mumocha, how did he, or why did he, Nirvidya, not even, just not caring about it. It's interesting, Nirvidya, it's like we say in English, I don't even want to know about it. Ni quiero saber. That's actually what this means. So, vid is to know, like Veda and Nir is not, so not even, didn't he want to know about it. In other words, not caring about it. He gave up his body, which was para ashram. It was the shelter. His body, because he was a king, was a shelter for other people. So why did he do that? It's very interesting because here stress that that those people who are devoted to the Lord, they do not live for themselves. So we can all test ourselves, you know, to what extent are we living for our own convenience? To what extent are we actually living to help others? So they don't live for themselves, but they live for the for the welfare, for the prosperity, for the good of the world. And so because Parikshit's body was shelter for others, why did he give it up? Why was he indifferent to it? Good questions, isn't it? These are very interesting questions. Then, explain all of this to us. Explain all this to us. Literally what it says. That which, all that we asked you here, or that I asked you. Manye tuang vishaye vachang snatam Anyatra Chandasad. Is it very interesting verse? I consider you um literally I consider you uh to be snatam uh expert in the meaning of words or the meaning of statements apart from technical Vedic hymns. Chandasa. It's interesting here, the word for which Prabhupada translates um, fully acquainted, snata, literally means bathed, like snana, snana means a bath. And so it's interesting because in the Vedic culture, when after a, after a, the successful completion of a great sacrifice or after um, the student, the graduation, it, you know, when you graduate, when you complete your study so that you're now expert in some part, in some branch of Vedic knowledge, then there is a ritual bath that you take. 
almost like to cleanse, you know, cleanse yourself, sort of cast off all the the impurities of ignorance of not knowing, and and and, and so that, and so from that, the word snata, someone is bathed, uh, means that someone has completed their studies. So that's the word that's used. It's interesting little cultural item. So Tatsarvama Sama Chakshwa explain all that to us. Pristo Jadiha Kinchana, whatever uh, you were asked about here. Manye Tuang, I consider you Vishaye Vachang in the meaning of Vedic statements or the meaning of, of uh, this knowledge. Snatam to be expert that you you know you're you're you've graduated you've completed your studies and all this and yet there, although you're not that concerned with the karmakanda technical Vedas the Vedic hymns so Sutta now Sutta answers Sutta Vacha Dwapare Samanu Prapte goes right into it jumps right into it. It's interesting because often after, say, Shonak will complete his question, uh, Sutta will thank him, and then say, if you were Sutta, he just dives right into it. He's anxious to get to it. So Sutta Vacha, Dvapare Samanu Prapte, Tritiye Yuga Paryaye. When Dwapar Yuga arrived and replacing the Treta Yuga, Jatak Parasharad Yogi, a yogi was born from Parashara, the great sage. Jatak Parasharad Yogi, a yogi was born from Parashara, Vasavyang, and in Sanskrit, whenever it talks about someone's parents, like someone was born from, it always says, born from the man in the woman. That's just grammatically how they always do it. From the man in the woman. So Jatak Parasharad Yogi, Yogi was born from Parasharad in Vasavi, who we talked about last night, the daughter of King Vasu. So that actually confirms that although, this is of course the Satyavati, um, that although she was raised by a fishing family, which I hope to explain in the Mahabharata that I'm working on, why that happened, um, She's actually the daughter of the great of the emperor Vasu, who was the emperor of the world then, with his uh, headquarters, his uh, capital in Shady. That's all described in the Shastra. So Vasavyam in in Vasavi, the daughter of Vasu, a yogi was born with a with directly a portion of the power of Hari. In other words, he's an avatar. Kalaya Hari with a portion of Hari's own power. So now we're going to Vyasa. It's interesting, this is Parampara because uh, uh, Shonaka is asking Sutta, so Sutta is going back to Vyasa. Let's go back to the original source. Sakadachit Saraswatya Upasprisha Jalang Shuchi Vivita Eka Asina Udite Ravi Mandale. So literally, poetically, uh, not once upon a time, but that's kind of just like in English, you say once upon a time in Sanskrit, kadachit, like once, like you know, one time this happened. So kadachit, 
uh, as the literally as the sun disk was rising, Udite Ravi Mandale, as the sun disk was rising, um, he he alone, he was alone, Asina, sitting in seclusion. It's emphasized that it's an eka, which means it means one. So think in English, the word one, and then A-L one, alone. All one, which we pronounce alone. But so, so eka in Sanskrit means one or alone. So vivikta, and vivikta means secluded and concentrated. So he's alone, he's secluded in concentration, and upasprisha jalang, and touching water. But the word sprisha could mean, sprishtwa means, could mean touching. Upasprisha often means doing achman. In other words, he's, he's ritually purifying himself for spiritual activities. So upasprisha jalang, touching water and being pure and fully concentrated, secluded in his mind, completely secluded, alone, sitting there as the sun disk is rising. And all this is taking place uh, on the bank of the Saraswati River. Saraswati. So, Paravara Gyak Sarishi. So he knew, it's translated here, paravara, it's para and avara, which can mean the high and the low, the near and the far, or Prabhupada translates it here, the past and future. Paravara gyaksarishi, that sage, knowing all these things. Kalena, by time, avyakta ranghasa, which is an invisible power. And as I've explained, I think, anyway, and it goes in Phoenix. I explained many times. The word kala in Sanskrit doesn't just mean uh, a way of measuring time, um, like hours and minutes, you know, hourglass or clock. Basically, there's different ways of measuring time in this world, which are all based on uh, observing the movements of physical objects, whether it's a clock hand or, you know, the hour hand or the minute hand or uh, you know, a digital clock, watching the movements of the the numbers, or an hourglass, watching the movements of the sand going through an hourglass, or a sundial, watch the move, you know, the, the the light and the shadow on a on a sundial. So it's interesting. I remember when when I was at UCLA a long time ago, and I was in a class, and the professor was saying how philosophers, Western philosophers, have been trying for a very long time to understand what time is. They they're still not sure. Because it's a dimension, like things happen through time, things move through time, and yet it's not space. Einstein, of course, said there's a, there's a space-time continuum, that somehow space and time are one medium. But in any case, um, the word for time in Sanskrit, as I've often explained, kala comes from a Sanskrit root kal, which means to impel, to drive something forward. And so... Time is actually the power of God that drives things forward to their destiny. So, so when Krishna, in other words, you don't merely live through time. It's time is directional. As you're moving through time, you are specifically being pushed in certain directions so that you can encounter your destiny, the destiny that you created. 
And so it's just like if someone jumps off a building and they fall and they can't not fall um, because they created a destiny. By jumping off a building, they created a destiny. By eating healthy food, you create a destiny. By eating unhealthy food, you create another destiny. And so when Krishna glances at the pradana, which is the, uh, the total material energy, there's no interaction. In the pradana, uh, there's no... It's just this total material energy, and it's not. There's not. They're not distinct divisions like fire, water, earth. So nothing burns, nothing moistens, nothing moves. It's just completely inert. And so when Krishna glances at the pradana and activates it, saikshita, like the Vedas say, he glanced. That glance is kala shakti, because Krishna glances at material nature, and he impregnates. He puts the souls back into material nature. And when he does that, because each conditioned soul has a destiny they have to fulfill, those destinies activate matter. So it's actually driving matter and uh, so that matter, you know, so that fire burns and, and the wind blows and things happen. What actually drives matter is the destinies of the souls because matter takes on different forms in order to fulfill those destinies. So therefore the word for time, Kala, is from the root, which means to drive something, impel something. And that's why uh, Krishna defines time as a powerful force in the Gita. When Arjun says, Ko Bhavan, who are you? In Sanskrit, Ko Bhavan, who are you? Ugra Rupa, in this you know frightening form, this terrible form. And Krishna says, Kalos me, time I am. Loka Kshaya Krit, destroyer of the world. In other words, time I am, measurer of time, like, no. Time is a destroyer because time is driving everything to its end. So, therefore, here it said, Kalena, by time, which is Avyakta Ranghasa, which is an invisible power. So, Paravara Gyasa Rishi, that sage who knew the para and the avara, Yuga Dharma Bhyati Karang, he saw the anomalies, things were getting in, in Yuga Dharma, that the Yuga Dharma was becoming all confused by the powerful force, the powerful invisible force of time. And that this problem, this had occurred, it, it came to this, and then that this actually occurs Bhuvi on earth, yuge yuge in every age. So bhyati karam can also just mean that things are transferring or things are being transposed so that, that the that the yuga dharma is becoming, Prabhupada says, uh, anomalies. So, uh, may I'll stop here actually, for now. I have a question. Yes, go ahead. We have a question here from Saravatma. Um, King Parikshit, um, at whose feet the enemies took shelter and were afraid of, well, didn't hesitate to leave his citizens unprotected. Did he have a, because it, it wasn't like he had time to set up some kind of protecting mechanism or air. Backup. Yeah. Well, he did have a son who took over. He did have a powerful son who was Janame Jaya. The question was that Parikshit lived for others, but he gave up his body, even though there was not a, let's say, a proper 
arrangement to replace him, but actually uh, he did have a powerful son. That was the point, Janami Jaya, who, who did maintain the kingdom. Yeah, Janami Jaya was obsessed with revenge. No, he wasn't. Janami Jaya was actually a very good ruler who maintained order. And then as he became concerned with revenge when uh, I think as Utanka, a Brahmin came to his court and said, why are you doing these sacrifices? Why are you wasting your time with this and you don't do your real duty? So he said that to the emperor. So the so Jemmy Jai, of course, immediately want to know what, 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 why are you saying that? And he told him, this is how your father actually died. Now you have to get revenge. So he was a king. He was a great king who just, when he heard that, then he, he performed, you know, sacrifice, which ultimately was aborted. It's not that he spent his whole life doing that. He was a great king. So I don't see any other, any questions? Peanut gallery. Okay, and I don't see any questions on Facebook. So thank you all very much for listening. And I hope I'll see you next Sunday. Hare Krishna.